Democrats hereby win the Tim Pool inaugural stupidest day in history award for simultaneously announcing articles of impeachment while giving Trump one of his biggest, most historical victories for his presidency. Donald Trump's USMCA was announced by the Democrats, and it seems like it will be moving forward over a year after it was first signed. Now, Democrats are saying they've made some modifications to it. They've negotiated, but it is moving forward. This is a historic victory for Donald Trump coming about an hour after they announced they were going to impeach the guy coming only a few days after record breaking economic numbers, jobs, unemployment, wage growth. Coming at a time when there is overwhelming opposition from moderate voters to the impeachment process and coming, I kid you not, at the same time that a top Ukrainian official has come out saying there's no pressure and casting doubts on impeachment. All of this on the same day, dare I say, you have Donald Trump, who is by far not the most popular president, but certainly presiding over a large economic expansion seeing his trade deal, which even Nancy Pelosi says is much better than NAFTA, be be accomplished, be done. And the narrative is falling apart. Not only only are they announcing impeachment after all these things, but they're announcing it after a new poll comes out showing they are now losing to Trump in key swing states just after the announcement of impeachment. They just keep going. So you know what? I can make 50 million backfiring videos. Oh, impeachment backfires again. But I kid you not, impeachment backfires is now literally trending on Twitter. So you know what? (laughs) The Democrats have earned the stupidest day in history award from me. But let's break all this stuff down. We also have this funny, funny article I'll get to. Schiff argues that uh, waiting waiting on impeachment would be letting Trump cheat one more time. As if Trump cheated the first time? You see the game they're playing? It is, we are, we are truly living in this stupid, stupidest time. Um, but you know what? Look, for all of Trump's faults, he, he has a lot of things going for him right now. And the Democrats, it's, it's, you know what, you know, you know what's happening? It's not about whether or not Trump is a good president. Uh, there are things he can take credit for. It's about the fact that the Democrats are worse at everything. That's really it. And, 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 you know, you come to a point where you get someone with a character like Trump that I personally don't like, that many people don't like, whose policies many people don't like, but they're sitting there going like, what, what, what am I supposed to vote for? You know what I mean? It's like, it's not even an issue of lesser of two evils. It's like complete and total incompetence. Okay, you know what? Let's, let's read the story. We'll break all this stuff down. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work. There are several ways. You can help me out. Cryptocurrency, PayPal option, physical address. But the best thing you can do, share this video. This video is, is it got a super biased title and thumbnail. So I, I get it if people don't want to click it, you know, but whatever, man. You know, every so often I'll have some pretty hyperbolic comment, but I, I got to say it. I, I do. It's how I feel. This is my opinion, and I'm going to show you why I feel this way. But really, the Democrats, what are you doing? I almost feel like, I got to be honest, I almost feel like Republicans purposefully lost 2018 just so that Democrats would pull something like this. They, they didn't, I know. There's, there's recently another announcement about another uh, Republican retiring. A lot, of, a lot of Republicans retiring today. But how, is this, how, how, how could they have made this so bad? You know, instead of looking at what Trump is doing and, and, and telling the people they could do better and focusing on real issues— they're like, we're going to impeach the president. Also, he made a really great deal, the best deal. Check out this story. House Democrats announced deal on U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. Now, the, the few important points is that Nancy Pelosi says she's not obstructing. 
She's been working on this for a long time. She's been negotiating with trade, a trade representative and that this deal is substantially better than what Trump offered her. She actually said it was infinitely better, I believe. Donald Trump is obviously ha- happy. But here's a quote. There is no question, of course, that this trade agreement is much better than NAFTA. But in terms of our work here, it is infinitely better than what was initially proposed by the administration. Okay, I get it. You're going to take credit. Trump's going to take credit. Trump's going to say, it's my deal. It's the best deal ever. But you're both saying it's better than NAFTA. And Donald Trump is the one who made this happen. Okay, you contributed. Absolutely respect that. Thank you, Democrats, for helping to make NAFTA a uh, uh, better. But you got to understand, I'm sorry, the, the USMCA, not NAFTA. I mean, technically, it's making NAFTA better. It's the North America Free Trade Agreement. Now it's the USMCA, a new deal. This deal is going to be in, in place for a long time. This, this is a presidential moment for Donald Trump. This is a historical victory. His trade deal, which he started, we, we now have bipartisan support and agreement that is the right thing. But this comes the same day. House Democrats are announcing articles of impeachment against Trump for abuse of power, obstruction of Congress. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened to uh, bribery, extortion, etc.? No, it's abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. And I got to say, the Democrats have one good point here. First of all, abuse of power is predicated upon the assumptions of motive, which they have not proven, which they didn't even ask about. They're saying Trump was using his power in office to get leverage against a political rival, but they did not explain what his motives were. Weeding out corruption, working against Biden. Now, I know some of you may say, what do you mean? The whole thing was about him helping Biden. They never asked that. Not once did they ask, what was Trump's frame of mind pertaining to Biden? Was Trump scared about losing to Biden? The polls show impeachment backfired and is helping Donald Trump. Okay? Trump didn't do anything. Sure, maybe he tried fine, whatever. It's you who gave Trump the edge. So if Trump, I'll tell you what. Okay, fine. I'll I'll concede Trump is a mastermind, not playing 4D chess, 5D chess. See, Trump knew that he needed impeachment to win back the, the polls from Biden. Check this out. Impeachment is helping Trump in three key battleground states. See, the projections had Democrats beating Trump, especially Biden. We can see here in September, it downturns. After the launch of impeachment to today, Trump now has the lead. So sure, make the argument that Trump planned the whole thing out. I'll talk about Ukraine, but not enough, thus triggering the Democrats to investigate. I'll blame them saying nothing happened, and then the impeachment process will give me the lead I need. No, come on, that's not what happened. Trump was, 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 was bumbling about, you know, he heard some stories from some people about Biden and he's like, look into this. You know, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. And, he, and, he, and, and Trump's details on the phone call, it seemed like Trump didn't really know a whole lot, but he was like, eh, if it's bad, it's bad. I certainly think Trump is upset about Russiagate. Sure. But you know, they're still invoking Russiagate, right? But I, I will say this. The House may have one thing here. Abuse of power is not proven. It's ridiculous. I think it's silly. They do have obstruction. I'll give it to him. See, Trump ordered several of his staff not to testify, refusing to give up documents and things like that. So they have an argument that Trump is obstructing their investigation. I think the big challenge is that Democrats have been, you know, here's, here's how I described it on Twitter. It's basically like a Benny Hill chase scene. You ever see those, those old clips from the Benny Hill show where it plays that music? Na, 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 And it's basically him running and he's holding his hat and it's like he's in his underwear and the cops are like swinging their sticks at him. That's what it is. They've been chasing Trump nonstop trying to get him for something. And so they keep doing these things that, that amount to nothing. And then they say, oh, but we're not getting anything because Trump won't cooperate. So I'm just like, dude, you know what? Never been a big fan of the guy, but this, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. I dislike Trump. I, I think he's got, look, I get it. 
his character, you're fired, you know, the celebrity, the gravitas of all that, the, the, pers- the person he was pur- uh, purporting to be. It's very different from who he is in private. I understand that. I think there's a lot of things he could do better. You hear me say it all the time. Put it that way. Uh, I dislike uh, most of the 2020 Democrats, but there's a couple I actually admire. Uh, I think Andrew Yang has got a, a storied career, and I respect him a lot. Tulsi Gabbard, for instance. I actually, believe it or not, uh, do think uh, well of Cory Booker. I think Booker's pandering. He panders too much, and he tries to act like a cool uncle. It doesn't play out for him. But I've seen some candid videos of him where I, where I, I, I do think well of the guy. Elizabeth Warren has done some great things in terms of talking about surveillance and, 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 and Facebook and big tech. can respect that as well. But for the most part, I generally dislike a lot of you know, these, 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 these uh, Democrats like Pete Buttigieg now. He's doing these big get-rich fundraisers, billionaires. Ah, I'm not playing that game. But there's a few Democrats I like, right? So I'll put it this way. Dislike Trump. Dislike most Democrats, but admire a couple. Okay? And Trump does deserve credit for some things. I despise the House Democrats. And I, I thought about this today. I'm like, man, you know, it's, it's a strong thing to say, but I really do despise them. And, and sure, you want to be one of these lefty Hillary, Hillary bros or whatever who, who likes the, the Pelosi's, the Schumer's, the Nadler's? I like Ocasio-Cortez more than I like these Democrats now. Okay, I'll tell you what. At least, at least AOC flip-flops and seems confused half the time, right? I can respect that, that AOC, while I do think she's got a narcissism thing going on, at, at least she's just do- doting about due to ignorance. Like, come on, man, Pelosi, you had to see how bad this is getting. You know, Adam Schiff is, is, is violating civil rights and privacy rights, leaking journalists' private information. Like, dude, you know what, man? I despise these people. And, that's, and, that's, and that says a lot. So I'll tell you what, this puts me in, a, in, in an awkward position. But I will say, while I disagree with the constant scandals, you know, that they keep cheap chase after Trump for, it's, it's a weird technicality where they're going to get the obstruction thing. It's like, should Trump really cave in to the nonsense and fake scandals and fake investigations over and over and over again? Unfortunately, they are weaponizing the system against them, and they have something here. They really do. Whether you think it's justified or not is the point. They can say, Trump did this. Now, in the end, it doesn't matter. Trump's going to win, period. Um, you know, Trump's going to, it's not, it's going to go to the Senate. It's going to get kicked out. I don't think we're going to see anything here, but I have, I have so much more to talk about. Let's move on. Did you know that the USMCA was drafted on the 30th of of September, 2018? They're only now doing it. I get that Nancy Pelosi says that she's, you know, she was negotiating, but come on, man. I think impeachment was in the way the whole time and they could have been focusing on real issues and they did not. So now I want to talk to you about why they're going to earn the stupidest award from me. Democrats sing different tunes on impeachment. You see, I showed this article before. I'm not going to read through. I'll just give you the gist. The 2020 Democrats are backing away from impeachment. This is from December 3rd, saying things like, we've got to focus on, yeah, we don't like Trump. But we've got to focus on what America, Americans need and want. The Democrats running for president know they're not going to win with this impeachment nonsense. And for the, for the House Democrats to announce we are, we're drafting articles of impeachment the same day, they say. And also, Trump, we agree on your historical trade deal. I'm like, what are you doing? And they're doing it just after rec- this, this, the jobs numbers. Look at this. This article right here, it's a twofer. Wall Street soars after economy added a robust 266,000 jobs in November. Now, the number was boosted by 50,000 GM workers coming back from a strike, but it's still 215K or, or 216K or so, plus record low unemployment, record wage growth, labor force, consumer confidence, all amazing. And not only that, it results in Wall Street soaring. People's 401Ks or IRAs, ooh, they're probably way up. What I heard numbers like 15 to 30% this year. 
All of this is happening. And the Democrats, so imagine you're a middle American. Imagine you're in some small bumpkinville town in the middle of nowhere, and many of you may be. You've seen your jobs go away. You've seen your, your town start falling apart. People are leaving, looking for work. It is a crisis in what the Democrats refer to as flyover states. A bit, a bit dismissive, right? All of a sudden, Trump comes in. The economy's soaring. You got a job. You're making money. Your family is, is surviving again. You know, your kids are getting ready to go to school. You're saving money. And then you look at these numbers and you're like, man, Trump really did it. You know, he secured the border. He's reformed immigration. He's done what he's promised to do. The economy's doing better. And then Nancy Pelosi says, I agree with you. You know, Trump's economic deal with, with, with Mexico and Canada is, is, is a great deal. And you're like, there it is. And then they go, and now we're going to impeach him. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> How does that make sense? It doesn't. They're not speaking to regular Americans. They're speaking to the woke Twitterati. Yes, you hate the orange man. So we will, you know, we will impeach him. So I got some more stuff. Look at this. They announced impeachment. This is, this is from, I believe this is from today, right? 10.30 a.m. And we got this we got exclusive. Top Ukraine official, Andriy Yermak, casts doubt on key impeachment testimony. How can it be that the purported victims of Donald Trump's scheme are, they keep saying, stop, we have no idea what you're talking about. Now, I'll be fair. It has been said to me, expressed, that they're only saying that because Trump is still in office. And if they come out against him and then Trump isn't impeached because the Senate is controlled by Republicans, they're in dire straits. They're, they're in trouble now. Now they oppose Trump. I say to you, I respect the, the, the idea. I entertain the possibility. But I have to defer to Occam's razor. In my opinion, they also have every reason to come out against Trump. If Trump really was threatening to do these things, then absolutely they'll be like, yes, please help impeach the man. If Yermak and Zelensky came out and said Trump was pressuring us, we were terrified, Trump would be out in two seconds. And then they would get in some favorable, you know, who, know, who, who knows who. To get, no, they, they, they have every reason. So listen, I'm not even going to speculate. I am not going to speculate as to the frame of mind. I can only go on, on, the, on the testimony. Think about it this way. If you had a victim who was robbed, you know, and you're in a trial, and the victim's on the stand saying, uh, I wasn't robbed by this man. And the state's like, you were, you were, no, stop. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. This dude simply asked to borrow money and I said it was okay. No, but you were pressured into it. No, I wasn't. And then all of a sudden the prosecutor argues to the jury, this man is just scared. He is only claiming to not be a victim. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, dude. I don't care what your speculation is. We go by the, what they're telling us. Time Magazine reports that in his first interview about those public hearings, Yermak has questioned the recollections of crucial witnesses in the impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump's alleged abuse of his office for political, political gain. Th this day is historic and will be the stupidest day, thanks to Democrats. Because like I stated, you got, all these, you got these record job numbers, you got collapsing polls for Democrats, you got them agreeing with the UMCA, you've, you, you've got all of this, and then their key witness testimony is being uh, rejected by actual Ukrainians. He says, listen, I want to tell you straight, Yermak told Time. Uh, of course, now, when I watch these shows on television, my name often comes up and I see people there whom I recognize, whom I met and know. That is their personal opinion, especially the positions they've expressed while under oath. I have my own truth. I know what I know. The most crucial point at which Yermak's recollection contradicts the testimony of the inquiry's witnesses relates to a meeting in Warsaw on September 1st when Ukrainian President Zelensky met with U.S. Vice President Pence. The meeting was part of an ongoing effort by the Zelensky administration to improve ties with the Trump administration. Uh, one, of the, one of the American diplomats who attended that meeting, Gordon Sondland, the U.S. ambassador to the EU, testified before the inquiry last month, 
that he pulled Yermak aside after the Warsaw meeting and delivered an important message. U.S. aid to Ukraine would probably not resume until Zelensky's government announced two investigations that could implicate President Trump's political rivals. Quote, I told Mr. Yermak that I believed that the, redem- the, the resumption of U.S. aid would likely not occur until Ukraine took some kind of action on the public statement that we had been discussing for many weeks, Sondland testified. Yermak disputes this. Gordon and I were never alone together, he said when time asked about the Warsaw meeting. We bumped into each other in the hallway next to the escalator as I was walking out. He recalls that several members of the American and Ukrainian delegations were also nearby, as well as bodyguards and hotel staff. And I remember, everything is fine with my memory. We talked about how well the meeting went. That's all we talked about. Keep in mind, Gordon Sondland was later implicated by ProPublica for harassing, me tooing several women. I don't think the guy who flip-flopped in his testimony several times and is accused of abusing women, a guy who essentially bought his position anyway, and yes, a critique of Trump. Sondland donates a million bucks to Trump's inaugural committee or whatever. Trump gives an ambassadorship. Not the guy I'm going to trust, okay? And I'll tell you what, neither is Trump. But Trump did release the transcript, and this guy is saying what Trump said, you know, is backing, is, is rejecting this testimony. Listen, man, the narrative is broken. The Democrats have nothing. It is the most absurd and insane thing. And let me just lay it out for you in no uncertain terms. Schiff argued today that Trump was doing it, quote, again. What do you mean again? We had, th- we had three years of this Russiagate stuff, and Mueller comes out, and he's like, no collusion. And Schiff says, let him cheat one more time. One more time. What parallel reality do you live in? It's like the Mueller report drops and Adam Schiff's eyes roll in the back of his head. And then he just can't read anymore. And he's like, but it was, it was time now. It's unfair. Oh. And then all of a sudden, once the report's gone, his eyes come back. I'm sorry, dude. Mueller came out and said, no, it didn't happen. We know Russia was trying to interfere. Even BuzzFeed reported that the, the Russia bot narrative is completely overblown, overhyped. This is BuzzFeed News reporting this. And Schiff comes out and says he's going to do it again. You know what, man? Completely. Why don't you just let him cheat in one more election? He cheated in a different one? Look, you know what? This is not how you win. They live in some psychotic, paranoid reality. And it's not, listen, okay, I assure you, when the moderates are flipping, and the Democrats are the only, one holding, only ones holding on. Even, even Democratic support has gone down. Tom Brokaw, impeachment process is making eyes glaze over. Former longtime NBC Nightly News anchor Tom Brokaw called impeachment hearings of President Trump a show on both sides that makes America's vo- American voters' eyes glaze over. Yes, I turned the hearing off the other day. You know why? It was like the fourth time I heard the exact same thing from Democrats. Trump used his position for personal gain against a political rival. I'm like, you said that 10 minutes ago. This is really funny. I'll paraphrase. Um, was it Chris Wallace, I think, from Fox News said, he said, it's been said already, but I guess not by everyone. So we're going to sit here as everyone says the same, th-. something like that. And I laughed when I, when I saw that clip on Twitter. I'm like, thank you. I shut it off. It's so, it's so insane. I'll tell you. It looks like, according to most polls, the general voter hat, there is more support for impeachment than opposition to it. But that's because Democrats are in a tribal bubble. See, moderates and Republicans oppose it. Republicans overwhelmingly and moderates in the majority. So you know what, man? Stupidest day in U.S. history. And I'm sorry I have to do this to you guys. I'm sorry, but I'm not done. And uh, Andy Pudzder, big jobs numbers. What will it take for liberals to admit an economic boom? They won't. 
there are tweets going around where they're like, you can't tie economic activity to the president. It's not that easy. It's like, oh, okay, bah, 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 bah. I don't care, dude. The Democrats give credit to the Democrats. The Republicans give, uh, give, you know, everybody always blames the other side and gives credit to themselves. So I tell you this, the economy under Bush was Bush's fault. The economy under Obama was Obama's fault. And the economy under Trump is Trump's fault. Plain and simple. Okay. Obama had to inherit Bush's fine. Trump had to inherit Obama's fine. I think Trump had an advantage compared to Obama, but the numbers are Trump's credit. Okay. Obama didn't do the worst job in the world. You know, Bush, we had the 2008. You want, and a lot of people would blame Clinton for that, but I, you know, maybe, but the point is I'm not going to play games where everyone tries to point fingers in whatever direction, you know, I'm sorry to say this. I'm sorry, but there's more. I'm only going to quickly go through some of these next few articles and I'll wrap things up. But Lindsey Graham slams the FBI's investigation into President Trump's 2016 campaign as a criminal enterprise that got off the rails. Yes, the IG report came out and sure enough, yeah, we know it was bad. Um, certainly we're seeing the partisan pushback where the left is saying, oh, this debunks Trump and the right is saying, oh my God, this implicates the, the FBI. But the fact remains the FBI w- w- had several inconsistencies, errors, and it's just a, a reality. Okay. Did Trump get the greatest victory, the one he wanted? No, but it's still good news for Trump. Let's not play games. I already showed you this poll, right? That uh, uh, impeachment has improved Trump's likelihood of winning. But now I bring you to a final thought. You see, impeachment has backfired, as I show you right now. And what do you think the response from the left and the Democrats has been? And obviously not everybody on the left, but the tribal Democrats, you know, the, the tribal leftists. I love it. I love it. Before you, let me read you this great tweet with 1,095 retweets. So many. Hashtag impeachment backfire. Trending immediately after articles of impeachment are announced is just further proof of foreign, specifically Russian, interference in our democracy and elections. Yes, this lady in Vegas truly believes that all Republicans are secretly Russians. Because the fact is, 63 million people voted for Donald Trump. Donald Trump has many followers. Naturally, they will start using the hashtag to point out the polls are in Trump's favor. This is officially the stupidest day in U.S. history as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, and I, I showed you already impeachment backfiring was, um, was trending on Twitter. So now they're saying it's Russians. All the Republicans are Russians. I will wrap this, this, this segment up in a ni- nice little bow, ending with a tweet from myself. I said, in what may be the stupidest moment in U.S. history, Democrats announce articles of impeachment one hour before announcing the USMCA, handing a major victory to Trump, days after a report showing massive job and economic growth and growing opposition to impeachment in swing states. They're still doing it. They could have gone for censure. I love it. Pizza Party USA's response was, it shows that they can walk and chew gum and it gives ownership of the deal to Pelosi. That's literally what the Democrats have been trying to push their talking points. Nice try, though. Abuse of power, obstruction of Congress, to which I responded. That's exactly what will convince swing voters to reject Trump. Listen, I know things are going really well for you right now, but Democrats can walk and chew gum at the same time. All the reason to rock the boat come 2020 and vote for, I don't know, uh, uh, Biden, I guess you just vote for him. (laughs) Yeah. Is that what you got? Sorry. That's not going to work. Welcome to the stupidest day in American history. Thanks, Democrats. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. And I will see you all there. Here's my working theory on Hillary Clinton. The big news first is that she is, according to a new poll, 
the front runner. She's not running. But here's my theory. All of these other candidates are failing, right? Joe Biden is now, has now lost his edge. The impeachment process, I, I kid you not, in, in I believe Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania has given Trump the advantage. There is a, there is a new survey done. This is huge news. I covered it yesterday. In all of these, these hypothetical matchups, Trump lost to basically every Democrat, not all of them, but for the most part. Now he leads all of them, including Joe Biden. Impeachment backfired. So here's my, here's my theory. I think they're going to say, you know, we, we don't have a strong enough candidate. We need a real leader. Joe Biden isn't up to it. You've seen his gaffes. Elizabeth Warren is, is fizzling out. We need a, a moderate voice. How about Hillary Clinton? I think that's the play. And what they've been doing over the past several months is dipping their feet in the water to see how things play out. Oh, is Hillary going to run? Maybe she will. Maybe she won't. We're getting late in the game. Okay, it's getting late in the game. So I'm kind of, I got to be honest, I'm leaning towards, I really don't think Hillary Clinton will run at this point. It's too late, but they keep trying to float her. So I think what's really happening, happening is there is a strong possibility Hillary Clinton does run. I think if she did, Donald Trump would get over 400 electoral votes. I really do. At this point, with her track record, with everything's going on, with, with the Horowitz report, I don't think it's a smart play. It's possible, but I doubt it. But I, but I think what would likely happen is that, you know, basically what I said, they're, they're going to claim none of these other Democrats can, 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 you know, stand up to Trump and they need somebody with more experience. Hillary Clinton then jumps in, begrudgingly saying, you know, the polls show it. So here's what this is. This new Harvard poll, in my opinion, is being done to see if there's a door open for Hillary because Hillary wants to run. I really do. I really do believe that she wants to run. So what I think you, you, you see is you see these stories, even videos like me, where we talk about it. I think that the operatives, the, the, you know, the, 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 the politicos are, who are working for Hillary and the DNC are, are tracking public sentiment. And then they throw it, not, throw it out in a poll. Why would they include Hillary Clinton in this poll? She's not running. They want to know if people would support her. And lo and behold, Hillary Clinton is now the front runner. So if there was ever an argument to say she would enter the race, it's probably this. They've done the poll. There'll probably be a, there will probably be a few more that are going to show her in the front. And then just give, give it a moment. Just before some, you know, like the first primary or Iowa or New Hampshire or something, she's going to say, I didn't want to do this, but the American people need me. That's what she's going to do. And she's going to say, you know, to all the people who didn't want me to run, I didn't want to run either. But I think at this point, we have no choice. This is the most important election of our, of our lives. Donald Trump cannot be allowed to win. And that's how you potentially get Hillary Clinton. Let's read the story. The Daily Mail says Hillary Clinton would be leading the race for the Democratic nomination for president if she declared her candidacy, according to a new poll. The online survey by Harris Poll, which was released by Harvard University's Center for American Political Studies, shows the former secretary of state in first place with 21 percent of the vote. Joe Biden, the current frontrunner, would receive 20 percent, while Bernie Sanders is at 12 Warren comes in at fourth with 9%, followed by former New York Mayor Bloomberg at seven. Bloomberg just basically erases everybody. The poll, which surveyed 1,859 voters, was taken between November 27 and 29. And, and 1,800 voters, that's a big survey. Okay, that reduces their margin of error. If Clinton stayed out of the race, Biden maintains his advantage with 29%, followed by Sanders at 15 and Warren at 13 Last week, Clinton refused to completely... Oh, here we go. They're doing it again. 
Last week, Clinton refused to completely rule out a late entry, entry into the field of candidates. During media appearances in the UK last month, Clinton twice hinted that she could still make a late entry into the field. Look, man, let me be real. I think she's just saying that so it keeps her in the press. She's selling books. She's trying to promote people to beat Trump. I'm not entirely convinced she will run. I think other people like the fact that Hillary Clinton is this, you know, a divisive figure. She lost. She won't stop talking about 2016. I kid you not. She's still doing interviews about losing in 2016. I think she just wants to maintain some kind of political clout. But if you look at the Clinton Foundation, their donations are gone. People are not, are not buying into it anymore. There's, there's no real support. But it is possible, and I say this, it is possible, that the reason she's holding out so long before announcing is that this allows her to go and do these press tours to sell a book to make money for a rematch. If she announces she's running, then she's going to be uh, restricted by all sorts of federal laws. So for the time being, she may be building up the biggest possible war chest and we wouldn't know. People can pay her for whatever they want right now. Somebody could cut her check for a million bucks for no reason. Hey, I love you. I, I, I like what you do, Hillary. I love your work. Here's a, here's a million bucks uh, uh, here's a donation. We're not seeing it to the Clinton Foundation, but it could be you know, handled privately. There could also be super PACs and other things being set up in the background that as long as she is not running, they can do all of these things. And as soon as she announces, so, so let, let me just stress, it may be she does intend to run. And the only reason she hasn't said so is that they are pulling out all of the stops. They're saying, wait until the very last moment when we can squeeze every donor for every penny and then launch our assault on the Democratic Party. They say, speaking on BBC's Graham Norton show in London on November 29th, Clinton said she would have to make up, she said, quote, have to make up my mind really quickly if she is going to join the race. Earlier last month, when the former first lady and daughter Chelsea were promoting their work, The Book of Gutsy Women, she appeared on BBC Radio 5 Live. When asked if she would make a run for the White House for a third time, she replied, as I say, never, never, never say never. How old are these people? You know, like Clinton's, what, 70-something, Warren's 70-something or 70. Even Trump's old, right? I'm surprised all of like the top contenders are apparently old people. I'm not surprised it's Trump, right? Trump got in just before that barrier of 70. I think he was 69 when he got elected. Now he's in his 70s, but he's up for re-election. That could be bad news for him. It would have been, in my opinion, except for the fact that the only the, the, the only other Democrats are, are as old as he is. And Biden, I think, is older. This is crazy. You know, and I, and I will stress, too, man, like Donald Trump, he's spry. He's spry for a 70-something-year-old man. These other Democrats... You know, Bernie had a heart attack. You know, uh, Elizabeth Warren is not spry. She is frail and old. You know what? You, you know what? I'm going to say it, man. The reason why Elizabeth Warren is not going to win, in my opinion, is because she is frail. And that has nothing to do with her uh, gender. You know what I mean? It has, it has everything to do with her stature and the way she speaks. You know, like Kamala Harris, that's, that, that's a strong look. You, you don't got to like Kamala Harris, but I'll tell you what, she was strong, very, very strong. Kamala Harris was likely one of the strongest people on the Democratic stage. And I seriously mean that. I'm not saying she's a good person. I'm saying you look at what she was willing to do to those people in those prisons. And I'm like, you yeah. but that's, that's, that's look, man, you know, a lot of Americans would reject that kind of callousness from people like Kamala. 
Hillary Clinton is strong too. And I don't mean uh, physically because we saw her sick and collapsing. I mean, that's, she's physically in trouble. So she does have a frailty to her. But I mean, Elizabeth Warren is mentally frail. Like her attitude, her demeanor is, is too soft. She has no strength in what she says. Hillary Clinton is terrifying. Now she collapses and falls down and all that stuff. And they were, you know, dragging her into the car and lifting her upstairs. But look at what Hillary Clinton says. Can't we just drone the guy? Like that, I'm talking, you know, when I say strength, it's a combination of physical as well as mental. Look at all the Democrats and compare them to the, I don't know, maybe strength, strength is the right word, I think, because it's not positive or negative, but Donald Trump is a strong man. They literally call him a strong man as, as a derogatory term. He's very tall. He's, he's, very, he's, he's spry. You know what I mean? He's not like falling apart and walking with a cane. He's, he's a braggart. He insults people. You know, one of the funniest things during the 2016 debates was that Hillary Clinton would be talking, you would go wrong, no, wrong, like just interrupt her. That's, that's, that's strength for better or for worse. He's got a bad attitude in my opinion, but he's substantially stronger than Warren. He would walk all over Warren. What about Biden? You know what I imagine between a debate with uh, Trump and Biden? Biden's going to be like, you know, we, we got we to focus on uh, medical, uh, the medical costs are, you know, taxes are too, uh, and then all of a sudden, Trump's going to just start mocking him and going, what was that, what was that Biden? But he said, frivol frap, frivol frap, Biden. I don't even know what you're saying. How am I supposed to debate somebody who says frivol frap? You were talking about taxes. Now you're talking about, now you're talking about healthcare. Have you ever listened to Joe Biden talk? The dude like just bounces around and I'm like, dude, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then, and then what he does at the debates is like this, this, he pretends like, oh, my time's up. I'll stop now. Joe Biden can't keep his, he, he, first of all, he doesn't know where he is. And, and I really mean this. It's not a gaffe at this point, right? And, and other people have pointed this out. Joe Biden, it is not a gaffe when he says Iowa instead of New Hampshire and Minnesota instead of you know, New York or whatever. That's not a gaffe, dude. He literally doesn't know where he is because he does it almost every time. And, he, and then he tries to like save face, but dude, the guy's out of it. Could you imagine any one of these Democrats going up against Trump? Now, Bernie does have some power behind his voice, but unfortunately, the dude did, did just have a heart attack. So think about what people are, are thinking when they see a candidate. I'll tell you what, Hillary Clinton's problem was that she was just too, she's just too snooty. There was this thing they did. It's really funny. It's a performance art bit where they had a, a script of one of the Democratic deba- of one of the presidential debates, you know, Trump and Hillary, and they had a woman play Trump and a man play Hillary. And they thought people would hate the woman interrupting and snapping. Turns out, no, people hated the snarky snide dude. Did you watch the debates? Because like, let, let, me, let me tell you something. Let me do some impressions. This, this is how Hillary Clinton was all the time. No, actually, I did this. <clears throat> no. And people don't respond to that. And Trump was going, no, wrong. That is it. It was a terrible deal. Listen, you know, the American people, he was, he was interrupting. He was a bit rude, but he had, he had real passion and he seemed real. And Hillary Clinton seemed like, she has this, she has this attitude about her where she knows she's better than you. Like, <laughs> no. And nobody responds to that. It's not what they want to see. So while Hillary does have strength behind her, and, and, and I mean that, not physically, that's, that's, that's a big detriment. Um, none of these other Democrats have it. So I think what we might see is, none of, uh, look, you know, I, I stated it already. We, we, we see in the polls uh, Hillary Clinton is now popping up. The media is dipping their toes in. They're seeing what's acceptable. I don't think she'll be, she'll, she'll be running. I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't necessarily want to read through all of this other rehashed speculation about what's going on. Um, basically, basically now they just go, you know, I'll leave it there. I'll keep this one really, really short. 
They go into detail about what she was saying on, uh, on the BBC. I get it, man. The question is to you guys, do you think Hillary Clinton is going to run? And I think she would lose. I know they're saying she's the front runner, but I think she would lose so resoundingly at this point. There was a period several months ago where I thought Hillary Clinton might actually beat Trump. I did. I, I said it. I said, don't be, you know, hubris will be your biggest mistake. Trump won some of these states by only thin margins. Seriously. He did get what, like 70, 70 more electoral votes on top of Hillary, but he could have lost some of these big states. And that means Hillary Clinton could win. Now stop. I said that a while ago. Today, the economy, you see those economic numbers, man? That's all that matters. You know, I, w- I was talking to uh, uh, some people I know, the, some Latinos, and they were explaining to me that they're the children of immigrants. And they were like, dude, you know, them, their families, they don't like illegal immigration. They're, they're, they're very, very religious people. They're uh, decently conservative. But when it comes to social issues like welfare programs, they're very, very, I guess, Christian-like might be the right word. Maybe that's unfair. So, you know, obviously a lot of conservatives are. But they're very much, maybe it's, uh, uh, there's two mentalities. The Democrats seem to be secure the face mask of the person sitting next to you before your own. And, and uh, liberals tend to be secure the face mask of the people next to you before your own. And conservatives are secure your own mask before the person next to you. As we know, the airplane tells you to make sure you put on your own mask first. Otherwise, you can't help anybody. You'll just pass out. I think conservatives understand that. I don't think conservatives are, are, are needlessly being cows. I think they're saying we need to fix these programs and take care of America before we can start helping other people. We need to help our own. And so the, a lot of these liberals just say, no, but we should, we should, we should. And so I think that really divides a lot of what, you know, uh, how people vote. So, so let, let, me, let me go back. And I said I was going to keep this one short, so I'll try to. But these, these Latinos are talking to, they're conservative in every respect. And I mean it. They think Trump is a, is a bad guy in terms of his attitude, but they think he's right in terms of policy and they're very religious. But the reason they, they agree with like health care and his other policies, like, you know, universal health care and stuff is because they're like, shouldn't we help other people and do these things? And that's typically why they will vote for a Democrat. But now that the Democrats are saying they want to open up the borders to a certain degree in like certain respects, give health care to non-citizens, I'm hearing from these people saying like, my family worked so hard to get here and fight for the American dream. And now they're saying they just want to open the doors, but we can't do that. We want to help everybody, but they want to help people in America. So I think, I think you know, we're, we're seeing these polls that Trump is improving among the Latino community and the black community. Like he's got like 36 or 7% support from uh, African-Americans now, which is like ridiculous, according to a couple different polls. I think now, if Hillary Clinton went up against Trump, it would be an insane landslide, an insane landslide. So I don't think she'll run. I'll leave it there. Uh, stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Whatever. What do you think about Hillary Clinton? <laughs> it's a stupid story. I'll see you on the next segment. A volcano erupted in New Zealand. Many people have lost their lives. It's a truly sad story. One couple was on their honeymoon and they suffered 80% burns on their body. And I'm going to tell you something. It's their fault. It is. And I'm not trying to be callous. Uh, I have empathy for the families, for, for those who lost their lives. But let me tell you something, man. Just because people do something doesn't mean it's safe. This is one of the biggest problems humans have when it comes to protecting themselves. Let me, let me tell you about it. Uh, we'll read through the story. And it's, and, it's, and it's sad and it's terrifying, but let it, let it serve as a warning. And I'll start with this. I was watching, I can't remember what it was. It might've been like a Penn and Teller episode, um, the BS show. I can't say the word, but there was, there was something I was watching. You could probably Google it. 
they told, they, they told people they wanted to have them come in for like a research group. They put one person in a room, asked them to fill out a form, and then started pouring uh, smoke under the door. Most people got up, saw the smoke, felt the door, and then yelled, smoke, smoke, get help. They then did the same thing. This time, they put three people in a room and blew smoke under the door. And what did people do? They would stop. They would see the smoke. They'd look around at the other people who weren't reacting and then just shrug and say, "Hmm, must be okay then. And they would do nothing. This is one of the biggest problems humans have. They they defer to other people saying, well, I don't know. What are you going to do about it? You are responsible for yourself. You need to know where the exits are and you need to take take care of, 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 you need to be responsible, man. So in this story, what's fascinating to me is that they talk about the, the walking on the crater's edge. You know what's, what's crazy about the story and, and the volcano? They knew it was active. The tourists knew it was active. One person describes it. Let me, let me actually do a search for this. Look at this. this is, so this is one of the uh, guys who survived, I guess. He says, I remember being appalled at the sight of families with children walking along that perilous edge atop something like a nuclear bomb primed to go off at any time. Some people mistakenly view this part of the world as the Lake District of the Southern Hemisphere. But the local peaks are nothing like the hills of Cumbria. Far from benign, they are like crouching beasts, ready to destroy everything around them. He says 30 miles away on New Zealand's North Island, a volcanic belt starts on the western coast with Taranaki projecting into the Tasman Sea on its own peninsula. Families are bringing their, their children to an active volcano. And I think the reason is they look at other people doing it and they say, oh, it's safe. Everyone does this. I mean, maybe they know it's really dangerous, but they just do what, you know, everyone does. You know, my, my dad just told me about this being a firefighter. They would be, you know, they'd be in a burning building. You'd hear a noise and they would all just look at each other and be like, oh, well, no one else is doing anything. I think it's going to be fine. This is why, you know, so, so this story isn't necessarily in the same vein as many of the other stories I've covered in terms of the world is dangerous, where tourists lose their lives because they're attacked and other people take their lives from them. But I think it falls into a similar vein. And it inspired me to talk about some, some anecdotes. And, and look, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, this, the straight news is sad. There's like a downed helicopter. People are rushing to get on boats. Tourists went to a volcanic island, a nuclear bomb primed to explode. And they thought they would be safe. They walked along the crater's edge, looking at the smoldering, you know, uh, volcano. And then it finally erupted. These people were playing hot, pota- uh, hot potato with their lives. They were playing uh, musical chairs with their lives because everybody knew at some point this would go off and certain people would just cease to exist. I got another story for you. And then, um, you know, I'll, I'll, re- I'll read some of this. And so this is, this is a story depicting, you know, like exactly what happened. And I'll read a little bit here. Um, Michael Shade, one of the first who, uh, who went there, he left just before 30 minutes before this whole thing exploded. He says it was still safe-ish, but they were trying to limit group sizes. Why would anyone go there? That's what's mind-blowing to me. We had just got on the boat and someone pointed it out and, and we saw it. I was basically shocked. The boat turned back and we grabbed some people that were waiting on the pier. A video he took of the devastating blast was simply captioned, my God. Boat ride home, tending to people our boat rescued was indescribable. Mr. Shade added, one woman being treated on this boat, on his boat, was badly injured, but strong by the time they made it to safety. Let me tell you some stories. Because the the point I want to make is, 
I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this volcanic uh, explosion, but I want to tell you more about personal responsibility. I was in downtown Chicago once, and this was several, several years ago. It's like a decade ago, maybe. And I was riding my bike, and I noticed there was smoke billowing out of uh, a large skyscraper. And what did the average person do? They ran towards the building. They stood and they stared at it. And do you know what I did? I went as fast as I could in the other direction. Think about what happened on 9-11. You know, there are some people who did the right thing by running into that building. The firefighters, New York's bravest, who lost their lives trying to save people, not, not realizing that within an hour, those buildings were coming down. But many people started to run towards the building to gape and, and, and stare up with their mouths hanging open. And wow, not realizing they were putting themselves in danger, assuming that simply because someone else was doing something, it must be fine. You know, I had something really funny happen to me when I was working for Fusion in New York City. True story. So we had this big office, right? And I, there's probably 100 people in it, maybe less, I don't know. And they had these like diner style booths that I thought would be fun to work at. There were two of, I think there were two of them, maybe three. And so I was sitting there. And so let, let, let me lay out for you. When you walk in the front door, you're facing, a, uh, you know, maybe like 20 feet is one wall. And then it goes, goes back a couple hundred feet. Right when you walk in, you see those diner seats. So it's really close to the exit. I'm sitting in this diner seat with my associate producer. We got our laptops open. We're typing away. We're researching. When all of a sudden, bright flashing lights and an alarm goes off. I immediately slam my laptop shut, throw it in my bag, grab the charger cable. And even this I know is risky. I'm thinking to myself, the alarm is going off. We got to get out of the building. And I'm worried about my laptop. I think I'll be okay. It'll take me three seconds. Seriously, slam, plug, drop in the bag. It was three to five seconds. And then I slung it over my shoulder, got up out the seat. And guess what? My associate producer hadn't moved. And she looks at me and she goes, I was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And she was like, are you serious? I'm like, the alarm's going off. Let's get out of the building. Are you nuts? And so we walk towards the door and guess what every other employee is doing? Nothing. I, I, was, I was like, whatever. What am I going to do? Am I going to run through and yell? Everybody, the fire alarm's going off. Right? Everybody knew the fire alarm was going off. You could not know. Bright flashing lights and a screech. So we got up and both of us went outside. And sure enough, as we're outside, a bunch of fire trucks roll up. And firefighters run in full speed. And they got like an axe and, you know, whatever. And their gear, like a poker and stuff. And the employees stayed inside. And I was just sitting out, I was just shaking my head and laughing. Like, you know what, man? What is a fire alarm for if people don't react to it? And then a few minutes later, after the firefighters ran inside, people started pouring out. Turns out there was some kind of issue. I don't, I don't remember exactly what happened. Maybe like a gas leak or something. But the, the, the firefighters, I think, I, I could be wrong because I was outside of the building, but I was told they basically, you know, went up, looked around, went in the basement. I, I think it was a gas leak, but I could be wrong. And, the, and apparently, one of the firefighters were like, why are there still people in the building? <laughs> what? But they, they get it. You know, because people do this all the time. And so here we have this story, right? So, so that was something, to me, I was shaking my head. And I was like, you know, when people came out, I'm, I'm asking them, like, why didn't, why didn't you leave? Like, the fire alarm went off. You could have been trapped inside if there was a fire on a lower level. Like, that's crazy to me. I got out and I, I got away from the building. You know, first of all, get out of the building when the alarm goes off, let the firefighters come in and do their thing because you, you want to clear the space. You want to make sure they can get in, save lives, put out the fire, whatever might be happening. 
It's mind blowing to me how many people just sat there like, ah, don't worry, it's fine. And there's a similar story because before we were in that building, we were in a, we were in a different shared building with a bunch of other companies. I mean, they all kind of were, but this other building we were in had like on one floor, five different rooms and a bunch of different companies in different rooms. Power shuts off. And all of a sudden, an alarm goes on saying, do not be alarmed. You know, the, the, the power is out. Please remain calm. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm out. <laughs> I'm getting out. And I said, I said the same thing to my friends. I'm like, dude, you should all leave right now. Nobody left. They all stayed. And I was like, when the alarm goes off, man, you get out. Let me, so, so let, me, bring, let, let, me let me bring it back here. When molten fury beneath the sea is, is, is bubbling up an active volcano, you don't get on your tourist boat and go there. You know, I, I guess there's a reason why when I've gone to all of these dangerous places in the, in, in, in the world, these, these major, you know, newsworthy civil conflicts and unrest, like I was in Ukraine at the start of what became the conflict, you know, the Euromaidan protests, and then eventually it, it breaks off and splinters and starts getting more extreme. And there's a reason why I have all my fingers and toes and uh, the only scars I have are from skateboarding. I uh, got both my eyes, the, the missing tooth. That's just, that's genetic. You know, I can't control that, but, uh, but I, but I survived. I've been to very dangerous places that I'm all right. And I think the big problem is you have a lot of people who view the world through a lens of safety and security. They're spoiled by the splendor that is the United States. They're spoiled by, you know, the optimism bias. Oh, nothing's happening. Ignore it. They think everything is going to be perfect all the time. And you know, some of these people, when, when the world is perfect, everything's relative, right? So they stub their toe and they scream, demanding the government take action. Oh, you must protect me. Why am I feeling this pain? I guess when you've dealt with hardship and you've actually you know, been responsible for yourself your whole life, you have a different outlook compared to people who would be willing to go to an active volcano. And I, 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 I'm, I'm, I mean, look, like the guy straight up said he was appalled by families bringing their kids to what was basically a nuclear bomb ready to go off at any moment with pools of uh, boiling pools of acidic water, volcanic vents that roar like jet engines as they gush out noxious gases. White Island is like a vision of hell. And there are people who are like, this is fun. I'll bring my family. Now, now listen, you want to be a daredevil? If you're somebody who, who, you know, who gets off on adrenaline rushes and you go there, much, I, that's, that's, you know what? Hey, you, t- you took that risk. The man and the woman who went on the, their honeymoon now have 80% burns all over their body. I can respect someone wanting to take a risk for a thrill. You know, life can be boring. Sure, I get it. But the families, the tourists, the untrained, the inexperienced, I don't think people realize how dangerous things really are. You know, you know, people like in California get attacked by bears and stuff, right? Like you could, there, there was a story about a woman got her arm ripped off by a shark. Joe Rogan has this funny segment where he's like, he's scared to go in the ocean with all those things that move around better than you do. And that made me laugh. I'm like, that's a good point. Like, even a small fish could screw with you and you can't really do anything. You like try and swim, you can barely swim. But there are a lot of people who, who, who just don't understand that everything we have, man, 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 you don't, I, I don't want to make this one super long, but think about like 100, 200 years ago with like people just, you get, you get a cut on your arm and you're like, oh, my arm's got, my arm got cut guess I'll die, you know, or better chop the arm off. It's going to get infected. Got to cauterize the wound. I'm going to have antibiotics. You know, we couldn't do transplant surgeries because we didn't have antiseptics and antibiotics and things like that. Let me tell you another story I read. It was actually funny. It was, it was a long time ago. I read this story about a family that was out by a beach. I can't remember where, when a black wolf emerged and the family panicked because it was aggressive, maybe a rabbit or something. 
And they, they swam out. They're on the beach. They swam out onto a rock and huddled together, shaking the father, his, his like two kids and a mother, as the wolf paced back and forth in the shoreline and they could move. <laughs> I thought that was funny because I'm like, could you imagine if it was like 200 years ago? The, the, the dad would go out. He'd have like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, did they have flintlock? They had flintlock pistols a couple hundred years ago. He'd go out with a sword and thick, you know, leather hide and his family as well. And when the wolf emerged, he'd be like, stay back and you draw a weapon or something. I mean, maybe not, not always, but they'd have something, a tomahawk, a hatchet, and he'd have to fight. But we are, and, and, and they'd be wearing something better than just like thin, flimsy cotton. This is what's truly amazing. I mean, maybe it's not entirely true. Everybody all the time had some kind of protection. But it's not just about that. It's about the mentality. You know, the people who survived back then. Think about this. Let me, let me, let me, let me, okay. Imagine right now you lose your house, you lose everything, and you're dropped on a distant island in the middle of nowhere. There's no food. There's no shelter. You have but you simple tools and a wooden boat. And somebody says, better get to it. Those are the pioneers who came and colonized the new world. Yes, to the detriment of the Native Americans. I, I, I get it. Calm down, lefties. But they came to a place where there was no infrastructure. It was literally wilderness. They landed and said, let's get building. Man, talk about bravery. These are the people who survived. They fought the bears off. They fought the wild animals. They reclaimed territory. And the weak didn't make it. M- many people just died on the boat on the way here. So people knew, I'm getting on a boat. I might die. You know, there we go. Well, that's life. People don't make it. People die all the time. Today, we survive so much. We survive so much. And we've got medicine and technology that everything is a like, You know, we, we've, we've literally created a world where we don't have to worry about what we're wearing. You know, we can, I, I can go outside. Right, check this out. It's like 30 something degrees. I can go outside in a t-shirt and shorts right now. Is it smart? No, but I'll be fine. I, I will be fine. You know why? Because we invented climate control. I can go out my shorts, walk a couple blocks, walk into a store, and there's a, you know, air conditioning, heater, climate, perfect. Not only that, if I start freezing on the side of the road and I fall down, somebody will put me in a car <laughs> with a heater. So I get it. You know, they had stoves back then too, but we've got buildings everywhere. We are so safe and comfortable. You know, I don't even wear a coat when I go outside. I, I'll, get, I'll get my car and it's cold. I'll turn the heat on and it's like, we've really secured everything. We are so safe that people forget the world still is dangerous. We are but tiny specks of squishy mass, a dangerous place, and volcanoes can erupt and, and, and wipe you out. Don't bring your families there, you know? Be a daredevil yourself, fine. I guess I'll leave it there. You get the point. But let me just end with a reminder, man. Do not ever expect that when something bad happens, you can rely on someone else. You can sometimes. But think about, think about this. Always know your exits. When you enter a venue, when you go to a club, when you're at a restaurant, look for the exit signs before anything else. And this is not a, you know, what's crazy to me is I'm hearing people say like, with the, with the increase in these, these, you know, these mass terror events, I now have to look for the exits. And I'm like, you always have to look for the exits. What are you talking about? Fire happens. Okay. Fire has always happened. That's why they put exit signs on doors. You walk in, you know the way you walked in, know your way out. Because I tell you this, man, people always run for the way they came in. And what happens when a mass of people try squeezing through two small doors? They get jammed. Have you ever seen that Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns, is, he's, he's, he can't get sick? And the doctor's trying to explain all the germs they're trying to get in, but they can't. So, like, they're just mashed in the door. That's what happens. There's another viral video you should check out. Um, I, I could be misremembering, but it's something like a bunch of people in a club 
there was like a fire or a panic. So they all run to the front door and get jammed and smashed. And then one dude stopped and walked out the back exit, walked around and filmed like all these people like stuck in the door and they can't move because they're smashed. Probably going to die of asphyxiation because they can't open, they can't, you know, inhale or exhale because they can't expand their chests. So anyway, man, you know, this is your periodic Tim Pool makes a video about when it comes to safety and survival, no matter how safe you are, you need to know where your exits are. You need to be, you need to be prepared to protect yourself. And that's what, that's, you know, look, those are the key lessons. But I guess the world is becoming safer and safer. So we're probably going to lose that lesson. And then people are going to demand the government protect them. But then when there's no strong people left to act as law enforcement and protectors, what do you get? You get scared cops with guns shooting at people when they, like, there's that one video where the cop is like, show me your ID. And the guy reaches into his car and the cop's like, oh, and then shoots him. Like, <laughs> it's all falling apart, man. I don't know what to tell you. Um, whatever. I'll see you at 4 p.m. and we'll talk about some real news. How about that? YouTube.com slash TimCast. Thanks for hanging out. I will see you there. We got a big breaking story. It's actually developing. So by the time you see this, there may have been more developments. But there has been a SWAT team. There's been SWAT team action in New Jersey, in Jersey City, after a couple people with long guns barricaded themselves inside a bodega. Apparently, a cop got shot in the head. I, I think he's just injured. I think he's, he survived. But we're going to read through this. And there's one big point I got to make, man. I got to tell you, it is particularly difficult to own a firearm in New Jersey. How they brought in long guns, I don't know. I think the left might be calling for like a nationwide thing to stop this. But I tell you what, the laws here are pretty strict. Okay, so I don't you know, I don't know if that would be a deterrent in this regard. Somebody's going to get him somehow. Let's read the story. Hail of a heavy hail of gunfire rings through New Jersey streets as SWAT team swoops in after male and female active shooters with long guns start shooting spree in a cemetery, then hole up in a bodega for two hours where they strike at least one cop in the head. Excuse me. Hopefully the officer is okay. Obviously getting hit in the head, they probably are in the hospital, but I'm I'm hoping they're, they're, they're alive at least. They say at least one police officer has been injured in an ongoing active shooter situation in Jersey City. Gunfire erupted outside the J.C. Kosher supermarket at 223 Martin Luther King Drive just after 12 p.m. Tuesday as police officers reported over radio that two suspects armed with long guns had barricaded themselves inside and were shooting at anyone who approached the storefront. The gunshots continued for the next two hours, according to witnesses, as a heavy police presence from local, state and federal law enforcement agencies flocked to the scene. FBI spokeswoman Patty Hartman said that more than one officer had been shot in the standoff. Wow, so it's more than one, which was ongoing as of 2.30 p.m. Hartman said she was not authorized to give any additional information. Authorities are said to have been searching for two suspects, one male and one female, who reportedly arrived in the area in a U-Haul van. Officials have not confirmed the number of, shooter, uh, of, of shooters or victims. We can see some photos here of the area. You've got a lot of Jersey City police locking the area down. This we can see uh, sheriff as well as some other police coming in with uh, long guns of their own. And I believe, I'm not sure um, if they have photos of the SWAT. So that yes, we have SWAT. This is Hudson County Sheriff. I used to live up in North Jersey. I don't anymore. I'm in South Jersey. So they say WABC reported that the shooting incident began at the Bayview Cemetery when at least one shooter opened fire on a police officer striking them in the shoulder. So that's at least two officers we're hearing now who were hit. The, the outlet said, the shooter then fled into the bodega and began firing on responding officers as they surrounded the store. NBC4 quoted Hudson County officials as saying that two officers had been shot, one in the head, in an ambush. A senior official briefed on the matter told the outlet that the suspects were believed to have been injured in a shootout. 
The official said four other people were thought to be inside the bodega, but it wasn't clear whether any of those four were hurt or considered victims or suspects. It looks like we got FBI on scene as well. I say FBI officials here. Medics are seen loading an injured woman into an ambulance on Martin Luther King Drive. So it appears there may be other people who are injured in this. In, in this. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms and Explosives responded to the scene. And the New York Police Department also sent emergency services personnel as its counterterrorism monitored the situation. Police blocked off the area while dozens of bystanders stood around the perimeter and filmed the action on their cell phones. Witness Brian Clark told CBS2, I got caught in a one-way street with a bunch of cars, and I was wondering why nobody was moving. All of a sudden, I heard it. All the shots started. Shots started ringing out. Quote, when I heard it, I see, I see people running. I got out of the car, and I see cops duck down and cops getting out of the way. And I'm wondering why. What the hell? So I get out of my car and I see it. I heard it. Pow, 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 pow. Then I realized I was in a shootout. I never heard that many shots in my life. It was like I was in a war zone. Andy Patel works at a liquor store about three blocks away from the site of the shooting, told the Associated Press there had been consistent gunfire for at least an hour. I can hear the gunshots. It's like firecrackers going off. They were shooting like crazy about an hour ago. Then it stopped for like 20 or 30 minutes. The cops were clearing everyone off the streets. We can see some more photos here. It looks like we got, so I'm hearing reports that the schools were locked down. I don't know if they're still locked down as a filming of this video. They say the Sacred Heart School located across the street from where the shooting took place was put on lockdown shortly after noon. Snapchat video from inside the school showed students sitting in the hallway and cowering under their desks. New Jersey Governor Phil Murray, Phil Murphy tweeted that he had been briefed on the unfolding situation. Our thoughts and prayers are with the men and women of the New, of the New Jersey police of the Jersey Police Department, Jersey City Police Department. Sorry, especially with the officers shot during the standoff, and with the residents and school children currently under lockdown. Murphy wrote, "The Sacred Heart School, located across the street, was on lockdown." We read that snipers were later seen on the roof of the building. Jersey City Board of Education President Sunhead uh, Sudhead Thomas confirmed that both Lincoln and Snyder High Schools are on lockdown, as well as schools 12, 14, 29, and 41. White House spokesman Hogan Gidley said Donald Trump had been briefed on the shooting and was monitoring it. So right now, this is ongoing. Uh, There's probably a lot of developments you might want to look up. There may be things you already know at this point. But uh, I I do want to talk about some of the uh, circumstances involving, you know, gun rights and stuff. As my channel is predominantly focused on commentary and opinion and political issues, I wanted to make sure I first went through all of the straight news and, uh, you know, hoping hoping for the best for everybody. I hope these officers are all right. But I want to tell you, man, it is not easy to obtain these weapons in New Jersey. So right now, of course, we're seeing a lot of people on the left start bringing up that, you know, when will we have gun control? When are we going to solve for these problems? But New Jersey has extremely strict gun control. So I actually went and did an interview, I believe for my main channel with an instructor in New Jersey. And they told me that it, I, I believe they said it would take around a month to actually get a weapon. I actually explored this and found that actually, yes, it was quite difficult. So let's talk about these arguments then, right? So they're going to, they're going to claim that we need more laws, even though in places like Chicago, you know, in Baltimore, in Jersey, where you already can't get them, you have this kind of crime Crime that you don't see in Texas, but you do see in other places. I think it's fair to point out, I do not believe the weapons are the cause of the crime. I think they make the crime worse. I think everyone can agree with that. But I tell you what, man, you know, in Chicago, for instance, they have heavy laws. People go to Indiana. So here's what I'll do. I'll throw this to you guys right now, and and then we'll go on from here. I'll tell you some stories. 
Uh, do you th- so, so one of the arguments on the left is that if we had nationwide laws or complete gun control, then people wouldn't be able to go to, say, Indiana, buy these, we- buy these weapons and then drive them into places like Jersey City. I honestly don't agree. I, we, we, we know that there are international organizations, you know, legitimate or not, that have weapons and people want weapons. They will get them. They will make them. You know, we, we've seen instances, many stories recently about ghost guns. OK, people are getting you can buy 3D milling machines. People will just make them. We've got 3D printed guns. So I, I, I can tell you this, man, I do not think the solution to any of these problems is going to be found in telling people they can't own these things, because I tell you what, the, it, it, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here. The only people who, uh, who obey the laws are, are the only people who are going to obey the laws are people who already did. Okay. So when you pass these laws saying, no, you can't be armed, all you're really saying is that the people who don't care about the law in the first place will come out and be armed. You can argue you have tougher penalties and all that stuff, but I just don't see it. So, so again, let's go back to that main argument where first I'm going to say this in good faith. Okay. New Jersey has strict laws. All right. It's difficult enough to go and get a firearm as it is. The argument after that would then likely be, well, they'll get it from a different state where it's easier and bring it here. That argument will never go away. Even if, you know, the surrounding states around New York ban guns and and create more gun control, they'll go to a different state. We do it nationwide. You then open up a very dangerous black market because America will not just stop. But now I want to highlight a few of the darker points, okay? With these red flag laws, we have seen numerous stories about people coming to the door, not knowing why police are trying to seize their, their legally owned firearms, and then bad things happen. A couple of stories about people losing their lives because they tell the cops, not going to happen. You know, so, so I, I'll, I'll tell you this. The, these laws they've passed, these red flag laws in an attempt to curtail gun violence has resulted in more gun violence. And it certainly hasn't stopped what's happening right now in New Jersey. Strangely enough, it's happening in the state that I live in. You know, I, I find it strange that we had this story in, in Philadelphia. You had a guy holed up in a building and now New Jersey. Unfortunately, I, I, I think the proposed solutions they've offered so far just are, are not working. OK, Chicago clearly shows they are not working. I'm not saying we want to hand a gun to every child and say, everybody gets a gun, everybody. But I'm telling you right now, at the very least, the left needs to accept their proposed solutions have not worked this thus far. And if this stuff is still ongoing and people are still losing their lives, you can argue we need more of it, but I just don't see it because you haven't controlled for the black markets. You haven't controlled for the fact that, you know, people are going to break the law no matter what. And I think it was, it was something that was said to Beta O'Rourke. They said, how you convince people to break the law? And he said, you know, people in America follow the law. And they said, you think these people like this are going to obey the law? They're not, no matter what. And I'll tell you right now, you can pass all the laws in the world. They will make them, okay? Keep that in mind. I, 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 I'm somebody who falls kind of in the middle. I think Yang, you know, has, has been kind of okay. I think Tulsi goes a little too far on this one. I mentioned that because those are people I supported. I, 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 I think, for one, it's a constitutional right. While I lean towards, we can probably implement some things that make sense. So far, you know, I'm gonna wrap this up. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Developing information, but as I said, so far the, what they proposed has has failed. Okay, so stick around. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Tucker Carlson is not far right. In fact, he's kind of a moderate. He did a debate with Jenk Uger of the Young Turks, and he was fairly agreeable. And now we have one of the most shocking things I've seen in a long time. Vox.com running a positive story 
on Tucker Carlson. Okay, for those that don't know, Vox is like a lefty, intellectual, social justice type website. But you know what? Tucker Carlson on why conservatives should crack down on vulture capitalism. Quote, I'm radical and that's what I want. I don't understand why I can't have it. Well, uh, Tucker, I completely agree. I think conservatives should crack down on vulture capitalism. And, And I'll tell this to the left. You are conflating corruption with capitalism. You know, I was just talking to a friend and I said this. Just because we have people gouging prices on insulin, just because we have corrupt people trying to steal money who are lying, doesn't mean we throw away the whole system and then just hand it over to a command economy. Okay? You think about how, what's going on with healthcare right now. Some jerk jacks up the cost of insulin when he doesn't need to. People suffer. Yeah, I don't like that, okay? That's, that's, that's someone being a bad person. But does it mean capitalism is bad, okay? What it means is you got a bad person. What's the alternative? You get rid of the whole system, then hand it to some other group of people, and then it's like, now you've just guaranteed if those people are corrupt, they corrupt the whole thing. At least with capitalism, there's meritocracy involved. Not perfect. Not everybody's equal. That's too bad. Let's read a little bit about what they say, because surprisingly, Vox is writing a positive piece on, on Tucker Carlson. I'm pretty sure they, they, you know what? They fire, I'm pretty sure they fired that Carlos Maza guy and work there anymore. Maybe they're turning over a new leaf. I don't know. They say on Tucker Carlson's Fox News show last week, he accused prominent hedge fund manager and longtime Republican donor Paul Singer of vulture capitalism, an economic model that in Carlson's view valorizes ruthless economic efficiency over American communities. Specifically, Carlson referenced the small town of Sydney, Nebraska, once the headquarters of the sporting goods store Cabela's. In the segment, Carlson detailed how Singer's fund pushed Cabela's board to sell the company, ultimately merging it with Bass Pro Shops. Following the closure of Cabela's Sydney headquarters, roughly 2,000 people lost their jobs. As Carlson argued, the residents of Sydney didn't get rich, just the opposite. Their community was destroyed. The town lost nearly 2,000 jobs. A heartbreakingly familiar cascade began. People left, property values collapsed, and then people couldn't leave. They were trapped there. One of the last thriving small towns in America went under. Carlson's calls for financiers to hold in his own, in his words, some obligation to the country around them mirrors a viewpoint increasingly shared by some conservative commentators, one that's challenging right-wing orthodoxies around the role of the state in public and private life. No, stop, stop. They're, they, they, you know, this, 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 I'm going to throw to Jonathan Haidt, okay? Liberals can't accurately predict conservative behavior. Conservatives can predict liberal behavior. Tucker Carlson is one of the most prominent and popular conservative figures. His position isn't new. The idea of protecting his community is not new. He's never been a far-right, laissez-faire, burn-it-all-down capitalist. At least my understanding is that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Excuse me. Not big on the history of Tucker Carlson. But my understanding is that conservatives were always about having a government protect the community. Like, that's, they're not libertarians. It's why they're conservatives. Right now, there's a big debate between libertarians and conservatives about adult online content. But Vox can't seem to see this. They're shocked. You know, it's, it's almost like they're, they're surprised to find that there's a conservative saying things they like to hear. Because I don't think the Democrats and the people on the left, you know, truly understand what the motivations are. I don't think they care for community. If you look at big cities, it's kind of obvious. Maybe, maybe, cor- maybe the correlation is inverted, but you look at New York. Nobody talks to each other. 
You walk out, so, dude, when I lived in New York, I never talked to my neighbors. Never happened. In fact, I don't even know my neighbors here for the most part, but I do talk to them. We wave to each other. That doesn't happen in big cities. So Democrats are less concerned about protecting their community because they don't have one. Republicans and conservatives, typically people in rural areas probably do because they know Farmer Bill and Officer John, especially in really small towns. Sheriff, Sheriff, Sheriff Joe, they know who the sheriff is. He's somebody they, they see all around, protect their community. Liberals don't have that. So it probably distorts their, their, their view of things. The only reason they're supporting Tucker now is because he's criticizing capitalism. At least that's my opinion. They say a day later, Carlson returned to the subject of Singer, this time calling out Ben Sass, a Republican, who received donations from the financier. We're not saying Ben Sass or any other senator is doing Singer's bidding purely for the cash, but why not remove all doubt? If one of your biggest donors turned out to be a <laughs> censored uh, adult content provider or a mass distributor of OxyContin, you'd send, you'd send by the donation. You wouldn't want to be associated with someone like that. You'd want to be clear about your own values. Senator Sass should be clear about his. I disagree. Take the money. Use it for good. I have no... Pr- Look, man, I get public perception. I don't care. You know, I, people donate to me all the time. And they get mad at me because someone like Paul Joseph Watson gave me two grand for my Sweden trip. I don't care. If you don't like him, just because I'm taking his money doesn't mean he dictates anything. I do whatever I want. He gave the money to me. It's my choice. I, could, I, could do what, I can do what I want with it, right? The way I see it is, if somebody gives you money, you're taking the power from them and applying it to what you want to do. I got no problem with that. Um, I, so I, if Ben Sass came out and said, we're, we're going to make sure these th- kind of things don't happen, then fine. So be it. Local news outlets in Nebraska have cast some doubt on Carlson's version of what happened in Sydney and Singer's firm. Elliott Management responded with, uh, oh, and, 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 and Singer's firm responded with a Medium post in which it claimed that Cabela's financial health was far worse than Carlson detailed, adding that it felt the coverage was motivated less by sincere concern over layoffs and more by, by a desire to twist at any set of facts to portray Elliott in the most damaging light possible. It is a left-wing narrative right now that these, these private funds buy up companies, strip, strip their parts, sell them out, take the cash and run. But I think it's fair to say that many of these, these, these funds would keep the companies going if the profit was there. I think what they're seeing is these companies are failing. And I'll tell you what, t- t- Tucker Carlson, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I don't see these, these big sports shops succeeding. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking locally and, and they're not doing as well. I mean, I order everything I need from Amazon. Amazon really is destroying everything. So I'll tell you what, I respect T- Tucker's appreciation for protecting his, his, his common man his neighbors. This is why I'm a fan of Andrew Yang. Yang's pointing out, look, man, these big retailers are new technology. It's disruptive. We can maybe break them up, but who, how many people want to go, you know, how many people want to use Bing? They don't. Amazon is a digital property where you can open a store and sell stuff. And that's, that's what people want to use. So it's displacing a lot of jobs. And that puts us in a difficult position. Is Andrew Yang right about the solution? Uh, you, you know, a thousand bucks a month? I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think so. I tell you what, though, He's right about the problem. And Tucker is right about the effects of the problem, but wrong about what's causing it. It's not because people are coming in stripping these companies like many people on the left or Tucker might say. It's because the companies are failing in the first place and they're being, they're being taken over. Malls are going to fail. Storefronts are going to fail. I don't know what, you, what we can expect next, but we cannot allow Amazon to just centralize all that power. Google, Facebook, et cetera, all these companies. So I tell you what, the cons- to the people who watch Tucker, the people who agree, and, th- and everyone else who's shocked that Vox would praise Tucker and, and actually do a nice sit-down interview with him and respect his position, I tell you this, man, we're all looking at the same problem. 
We can all agree it's there. Now we need to talk about it because if it's not, you know, if we don't solve for this collapse, the small towns are going to go under. People are going to flee to these big cities. It's not going to work out really well. I think we'll end up seeing a digital, you know, the digital economy is emerging and creating new opportunities, influencing, for instance, it's a weird circumstance, you know, sell products essentially online. You're a salesperson. But I, I think it's going to get a lot worse. Um, I, I, I don't want to read through the whole interview. They say the American conservative, which argued, argues in favor of what it calls Main Street conservatism, praised Carlson's show writing. For too long, conservatives have been beholden to moneyed interests that feel no obligation to the country around them. Main Street conservatism, by contrast, sides with the people in places like City, Nebraska, over the culturally progressive interventionist market absolutist in the centers of power, regardless of which major party receives their dollars. What is happening? The parties are switching, huh? Conservatives now saying we got to control for, you know, for, for, for the, the, to regulate, protect our communities, trade protectionism, etc. I tell you what, you'll find that real liberals and conservatives agree on almost everything. For real. There is just a list of wedge issues that we disagree on. When I say almost everything, because I'm talking about like, what kind of pizza do you like? What kind of cheeseburger do you like? What kind of soda do you like? Most, most Americans, liberal, conservative, we agree on like 99%. We disagree on like core cultural things. I'll tell you what, you'll find a lot of, a lot of liberals don't like country music. <laughs> but for the most part, we get, we get along, you know? You can, go, you, you can go from an urban to a rural area, vice versa, and have no problems. That's a good thing. So when, when I see stories about conservatives talking about stopping, you know, rampant, destructive capitalism, I'm not surprised. You know, I'm not going to pretend to be surprised like these lefties are that Tucker Carlson's talking sense. He sat down with Jen Uger. They agreed on a lot of things. So I, I you know, I, I guess my question to you guys for the segment is maybe I didn't get the point that I wanted to make for the most part, but do you agree with Tucker Carlson on this? Or are you going to fall into a more libertarian camp where it's like, hey, man, think, you know, it's going to happen. Do we let, like, what, what, what do we do about Amazon, for instance? You know, what do we do to solve for the collapse of these industries? Do we, do we recognize times change? I mean, Blockbuster's gone. Nobody's crying about that. A lot of people lost their jobs and Blockbuster went away. Um, I'll throw, I'll, I'll leave it here. There's a few ideas to go through, you know, the, the strange issue, instance of Vox praising Tucker. Hey, I love it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. Let's do more of this. Because normally they just want to smear him as like a white supremacist or a far right guy. But then we got a lot to talk about. We got um, automation. And um, the, the collapse of the physical retail space is going to change our economy in a lot of ways. What's our solution? I'll, I'll leave it there. I don't know. I, 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 I wanted to talk about this mostly for, for these variety of ideas. It's funny to see Vox talking about uh, uh, Tucker this way. But also, you guys know that I'm a fan of Andrew Yang. So let's see. Uh, let me know what you think. Comment below. So I've got another segment coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. The feminists have won. Women will direct four major superhero movies in 2020, and Hollywood may never be the same. Oh, harumph, I say. Oh, oh, egad. How, how could this be? My whole world is falling apart around me because my whole existence is built upon being a man who can't stand women in movies, said no one ever. That's just not reality. This is awesome, and I don't care. Here's the reality. Feminists, in my opinion, social justice activists are not going to cheer. Because they need the problem to exist, their ideology. Can't they just be happy that they've got their victory? We're all stoked on these movies, okay? You got, I, I did a segment about this yesterday, but we have, we have a new article about four major superhero movies being directed by women. Oh, and we got talk about the all-female Avengers A-Force. 
Let's talk about that. But the social justice activists, you, you win. Where is the cheering? Where is the celebration? Instead, they're complaining about old Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters? Come on, man. You know, there's no satisfying. That's the point. Look, dude, I'm satisfied right here, okay? You want to complain about me? People complain that I made so many segments about Captain Marvel. It's like, yeah, I thought Brie Larson was kind of being mean and snooty. And it was a culturally relevant thing I talked about. And now here I am accepting. You did it, guys. High five. Boom. We're all happy now. You got your female directors. You got your female stars. We got three big superhero films, you know, with women leads, maybe fourth. And we're all happy about it. Can you, want, you want to come grab a beer now? We can shake hands and say the battle is over. You know what? I'll be honest and I'll try and be fair. I'm totally down to hear someone say, awesome. You know, much respect. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I think they need to find outrage. And that's why. So, so if you didn't see the segment yesterday, Ghostbusters launched a new trailer and they're complaining about it. Not all of them. I don't want to blanket everybody. I'm just saying they're a select group of social justice people saying, don't don't please the fanboys. No, they can't win. What do you, who cares? Make a good movie. It's like you're so obsessed with making sure your other doesn't win. I don't care if you won. Congratulations. The feminists won. I'm stoked. I'm, 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 for one, to all the feminists who fought really hard to make sure these movies would come to existence with good directors, I'm glad you won. You, 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 you fought hard and well. Congratulations. I'm just stoked because the movies look awesome. And I don't, I don't care who directs it. You know, if you're a man, woman, if you're a giraffe even, so long as you're a, 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 a giraffe of human intelligence. They say in late 2016, in anticipation of the debut of Rogue One, a Star Wars story, Lucasfilm chief Kathleen Kennedy spoke with Variety about the company's efforts to diversify its director ranks, saying we want to make sure that when we bring a female director to do Star Wars, they're set up for success. They're gigantic films, and you can't come into them with essentially no experience. Hey, you can't say that. Women are just as good as men, right? Kennedy wasn't exactly wrong at the time. There was a tiny handful of women, they go on to name a bunch of them, who had been hired to direct massive tentpole movies with blockbuster budgets. So first, let's stop for a second. Patty Jenkins did Wonder Woman the first. Awesome movie. Excellent job, Patty, Je- Patty Jenkins. I-, I, loved, I loved so much about it. Snyder produced on it too. You can see his style really came out, but they did a great job. Ava DuVernay. I haven't seen A Wrinkle in Time, so congrats on, on landing it. I know the movie flopped. I don't know if that's, I don't, I don't want to ascribe that to, you know, to her, pro- to, to saying it's her fault. The movie could have been directed well. I didn't see it. That was also a Chris Pine film. Catherine Bigelow, not sure what you directed, but I do want to highlight Lena and Lily Wachowski. I, I believe that's the Wachowski, former, formerly the Wachowski brothers. I'm not saying to be disrespectful. I'm saying that so people might know who they are. And so I think it's unfair, at least in my opinion, to lump successful Hollywood directors who made their legacy as famous males transitioned and now put them alongside these women who have, who have actually accomplished some, some, some big feats. You know, I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the trans community. I think the Wachowskis have done tremendous work. But I think it's fair to say that, you know, Patty Jenkins and, and these other females have really, you know, broken some barriers. Um, and Lena Lily Wachowski have also broken barriers, but they're different barriers, I, I, I must state. You know, that's fair to say. Her reasoning made, uh, they say this, been hired, uh, blah, 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 blah. her reasoning had made little sense given the litany of male, dire- male directors who have been handed the keys to Hollywood. Uh, after making a few or just one or zero, much smaller, usually ind- independent films. If anything, Kennedy gave a voice to the punishing catch-22 that has kept women from the helm of Hollywood's largest, most lucrative properties for, well, the entire history of the art form. Okay, I, I, I don't think we need to get too much into this. They want to mention Captain Marvel and Frozen 2 are both co-directed by women. They're genuine global blockbusters. However, 
2020, just five aforementioned tentpoles could easily dwarf 2019's numbers, especially worldwide. Are they going to talk about the actual films? They're not. They're just talking about the politics of it. Okay, well, you get the point. All right. Uh, They say, uh, are they going to talk about the movies? They're not. This is ridiculous. Okay, whatever. Certainly credit is due to Disney and Warner Bros. for stepping up and handing these crown jewel franchises to women. It's also worth noting that all but one of these five films are headlined by women. And Eternals features several major women characters played by Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek, and Gemma Chan. Sony Pictures, meanwhile, is releasing two films based on male Spider-Man villains in 2020 that are directed by men. Morbius uh, on July 31st, Venom 2 by Andy Serkis. That's going to be great. Venom 1 was kind of shaky, but with Andy Serkis coming in, they got Woody Harrelson. I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked. I think it'll be pretty good. And they got some Spidey spinoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the point is, you know, let's get back to the point. And I want to talk about Marvel's A-Force. This is a story from a couple months ago. I am not too excited about A-Force, but we'll talk about it. Listen. This is a victory for everybody. Wonder Woman was a great movie. The studios learned how to make feminist films that weren't overtly feminist films. You know, I had a friend that I was talking to about Wonder Woman, and she was stoked. She said, have you seen Wonder Woman yet? And I said, yes, it was awesome. And she said, great. And she's a progressive, okay? And I was like, the best part about it is that they just made a movie. That Wonder Woman is a great character, and that's it. And she was like, no, no, the point, what's great about it is that she's a woman. And I was like, no, 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 no. If you really want representation and you want to convince people that this is normal and should be accepted, you treat them the same as everybody else. You don't put them on a pedestal and then demand people recognize them as being a woman. You just say, so what? A woman is a lead. That's normal. When you tell someone it's not normal, you are creating the division. I know the, inten- the good intentions are there. So, you know, we had, we had a, um, I wouldn't call it an argument. We made, we made our points and there was a shrug. But I'm like, listen, man, it's the point I just made. That if, if you want people to grow up thinking that it's normal to see this, then you just need to accept that it's normal to see this. And, when, and you know, so you've got these young kids that are growing up seeing Wonder Woman, but they're not being told to, 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 uh, um, to question it, right? When you make a movie like Captain Marvel, where they're making the movie about the fact she's female, when, and I also, I also told, told my friend this, like, what about Hunger Games? What about Alien? Those are like the go-to movies, you know, like people often cite with female leads. I'm like, when you tell a little girl she should take note of this, you're telling her it's strange. That, well, I grew up watching cartoons, comics, and anime where there were female characters that were just as strong as the men. And then, you know, I grew up thinking that was totally normal. And it was actually an inverse shock to me to find out at a certain age, like when I was a teenager, women couldn't compete in physical sports the same as men. And it was, it was crazy watching all these cartoons where men and women were equal and then seeing the difference in reality when it came to sports. Now, I think certainly when it comes to making movies and things like that, you'll see a lot more guys at the top. But we, sure, we certainly should not be surprised to see more women, especially when it comes to movies. We should absolutely see more female leads. And I'll tell you this. The reason is, it's magical fiction world. Wonder Woman's got magic powers. He's a demigod. I don't care. You don't need to beat me over the head and scream about it. Unfortunately, that's what they did with Captain Marvel. It's what they did with Ghostbusters. They learned their lesson. Here's what you got to do. This is what makes everybody happy. I want to see the social justice activists praising these films. If they do, they have my respect. Because Wonder Woman 1984, dude, you have no idea how much I love that trailer. The blue 
Blue uh, Monday orchestral remix is amazing. Cut to the beat when she, like, the gold armor deflects the bullet. So awesome. So excited. And what's that? Female lead and a female director? Don't care. It's awesome. It's awesome. So I'll tell you what, man. To the social justice people, this is your victory. I'm giving it to you. I got no beef. I'm stoked. You did it. Not only do you have a female director and a female lead on numerous movies, but they're good. Like, they're going to be epic. Nobody's mad. Nobody, like, look, they're going to be some whiny man boys. I, I, I tell you what, but they're a fringe minority. Don't take the criticism. You know, the problem is when we came out and criticized Brie Larson for being snooty and mean, they were like, you're attacking her for being a woman. And it's like, stop, stop that. Okay. Women can be good people and bad people. Same as dudes. And Gal Gadot is awesome. And Scott Johansson is awesome. And, and, um, um, Margot Robbie is, um, I hope I'm getting your name right, is awesome as well. And the directors are doing great jobs. I'm stoked. Now, now, Suicide Squad was kind of a mess, I'll admit. But I got no beef. I'm excited for the new, you know, Birds of Prey. I got, that sounds good. I'm not nearly as excited for Birds of Prey as I am for Wonder Woman. You know, it's like on my list, it's like Wonder Woman, Black Widow, Birds of Prey. But, but I'm stoked. So let's talk about A-Force. And let me, let me just, I want to I leave you, I'll keep this one short by, by leaving you with this. Please, when you make this movie, do not brand it as the all-female Avengers. Literally just call it A-Force. And, 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 and it doesn't need to be literally only females. You know what I mean? Like, the Avengers have, uh, for the most part, like one woman. You know, Black Widow. So I can, I can understand why women are saying we want a team of mostly women. Totally respect that. All you got to do, like when we, when we do Avengers, we don't say it's the all-male Avengers. When we do Captain Marvel, we're not like, it's a male lead. We're just like, it's just Captain, I'm sorry, Captain, Captain America. It's just Captain America, okay? When you do Wonder Woman, it's just Wonder Woman, okay? We get, we're, we're cool with that. So when they do A-Team, A-Force, A-Team, uh, I will absolutely be, be down for A-Force. Sounds super fun. I'm excited. It says it's coming together. So uh, I'm super interested. This would be a great time. Um, by all means, bring on a female director. Got no, no issues whatsoever. I'm just hoping that when you market this, just make it a good movie. I don't go to the movies so that I can hear you tell me why the, about the importance of, of, uh, of feminism, okay? It reminds me of that. I just watched that Futurama episode where they go to the Amazonian planet, and the Amazons are showing them the basketball court. And she says, we know Ken Dunk, but good fundamentals. And then they laugh at her. And it's like, dude, you don't need to explain it to me. You don't need to tell me, like, I know that women can't dunk, but this is why it's important. No, 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 no. Just let them play the game, okay? And we'll watch. Just let, let it be its thing. If A-Force just is a thing that makes sense, it, like, you know, I have a feeling they're going to, what I'm scared about is they're going to make the narrative about it being women. And that's the last thing that needs to happen. It needs to be your standard team-up story. The characters should be women. No one needs to mention that, you know, you know what they're going to do and what I'm really worried about? It's going to be like a bunch of women and the villain's going to be like, <laughs> a team of women? No, you will never defeat me. How pathetic. Or something dumb like that. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll see some snide comment from one of the villains be like, as if a team of women could defeat us. And then they win and they're like, ha, huh, they make a pose. It's like, no, <laughs> don't do that. Uh, Ghostbusters 2016 was very much kind of like that. You know, the guys were all dumb and it was like, yeah, that movie was awful. Anyway, the main point, I'll wrap it up. You get it. Congratulations on your victory. I'm proud of you. Feminists, you've done it. And you've actually come to produce some great products. So uh, I don't know who deserves credit. 
feminist or otherwise, but I'm very much looking forward to these films. And um, no, the criticism of the other movies has nothing to do with women. Anyway, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm going to go chill. Uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out.